welcome to the show of Information Overload. This is Information Ogogo, and I'm your host, Hayes, and this is the new and improved Information Ogogo. This season, I'm so very excited. We are going to talk about the holidays. Yes, the holidays. We are launching in holiday season, so I thought, what better topic to focus on than the holidays. We're going to get a little background, a little origin story for all of our favorite holidays. This one, Halloween. Yep, we are going to get the background, the lowdown on Halloween, figure out why it is we celebrate it the way it is, and just kind of learn about how we do it across the world. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. So, Halloween, where does it originate? The origins of Halloween date back to an ancient Celtic festival called Samhain, spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. It is pronounced Samhain. Just trust the internet, trust me on this, okay? It's not Samhain, it's not Samhain, whatever. It's Samhain, and it is a Celtic festival that celebrated the end of summer and the end of harvest and it was a transition into the dark cold winter and the end of the year. So the Celtics believe that this night was a time where the veil between the worlds of the living and the dead were blurred, they were thin. You may have heard people say, the veil is thin. And that is what they mean. They mean that this is a time where they could communicate with the past. They could communicate with ghosts and spirits from beyond and they would use these fortunes to comfort them in the winter and help them make choices in the next year. Now this idea of the dead coming back this one night a year is a common theme we see in many celebrations this time of year. Mainly I think of Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, which is celebrated in Mexico. Now, if you're a Disney fan, you love Disney Pixar, you might be familiar with this celebration because it was really prominent in the movie Coco. And you see a lot of the themes and the celebrations portrayed accurately in that movie. You have the marigold flowers, the candles, the ofrendas, which is offerings. You're doing this to honor your family members who have passed as they cross over on this one night of year where they can come and visit and you can show them your new family members. You can eat together as if you were they were still with you. You give offerings of things that they enjoyed while they were living. So it could be like a guitar. It could be like in Coco they put shoes out because like you know they made shoes in that movie. Um, just your favorite things and you share this time with your family that is living and honor the family that has passed. It is very much a celebration of life. This is not a spooky time. We are welcoming in these spirits and we are celebrating our loved ones who have passed. Now, something that I did not know while researching this, I learned that is actually a three-part celebration. So on November 1st, the night of November 1st, midnight, you celebrate all the little angels who have passed, all the children who have passed, their families put out their kids' favorite treats, toys, and celebrate the departed children on Dia de las Angelitos, the Day of the Little Angels. 
and this is set to be a time when the children who have departed can come and spend time with their families for this 24-hour window. And then clock strikes midnight, and you put the tequila out, and now your grandpa and your uncle and your auntie, they're all coming out. It's a big old party now. Families will drink and play games and music and dance, and it'll be this just really big party to celebrate the adults that have passed in your family. So then later that afternoon is when you usually have some kind of grand finale to the celebration where it's more public, maybe there's parades, you see the face paintings of skeletons, you go to the uh, cemetery, and it's a big community celebration at that point. And this is where, pulling again from Coco, that imagery of the marigolds on the grave sites and the sugar skulls with their names on it, little decorative skulls, to just commemorate and celebrate the ones who have passed. Now, the Day of the Dead celebration is actually a combination of ancient Aztec customs that would celebrate their ancestors mixed with the Spanish holiday of All Souls Day that was brought to Mexico from Spanish invaders. Now, here's where we get some more similarities, some more overlap. All Souls Day is very similar to the Catholic celebration of All Saints Day. I know it seems like we're just getting caught up in language, but these were all very separate celebrations that happened in different countries. But when you really break it apart, they're all very similar. So what is All Saints Day? Well, on May 13th, 609 AD, Pope Boniface the Fourth dedicated the Pantheon in Rome, yes, the Pantheon, to honor all Christian martyrs. How wonderful for him. I guess when you're a pope, you can just reassign meaning to ancient buildings. So yes, the Pantheon was dedicated to Rome to honor Christian martyrs. This became a celebration known as All Martyrs Day, which was established in the Western Church. Then came along Pope Gregory III, who later expanded on that festival to include all saints and all martyrs and moved the observation from May 13th to November 1st. This is widely believed to be a play by the church to attempt to replace the Celtic festivals to more church-related holiday. And honestly, it worked. Like, look where we're at, right? I'm here having to explain to you what sowing is because you don't know, because the Catholic Church was able to replace it with basically repackaging the same festival in a more church-approved way. Now, Sowin is not the only holiday and festival that the church was able to repackage and kind of push into one rebranded holiday. So what were these holidays? Because I didn't know about them until researching and Unless you're like really familiar with like Roman history, you probably aren't familiar with these holidays either. The first is the festival of Feralea. Feralea is an ancient Roman festival that would, you guessed it, celebrate dead ancestors. The other holiday was the celebration of Pomona, a Roman goddess of fruit and trees. And guess what this goddess's symbol was? An apple. Why am I excited about that? 
because you're thinking this is a holiday podcast. Well, why are we talking about apples? It's pumpkins. Hello, apples. Okay, this is where the tradition of bobbing for apples comes from. And I'm just so excited to have that little bit of information because I've always wondered why the heck is bobbing for apples a Halloween party game? This is why, because the Roman celebration of Pannona was the goddess of fruit and she was represented by apples. There you go. Another really interesting bobbing for apples fact, it started off as a courting ritual. Yes, this was a romantic game, people. They believed that this would determine if a person was a soulmate or not. So the young girl would go up to this tub of apples and she would try to bite into the apple that belonged to her crush. And if she was successful in grabbing that apple, it meant they were soulmates. Other festive celebrations included having a bonfire, dressing in costumes. Traditionally, like when Samhain first started, you were dressing in the pelts and furs of animals. And then eventually you were dressed like a little devil and such. Then you had jack-o'-lanterns to ward off evil spirits. We were telling fortunes, remember? Where ghosts are about, you know, the, the veil is thin. We're bobbing for apples. So you're, you're seeing it, right? You're seeing, you're hearing how this is becoming Halloween traditions as we are familiar with them. But have you noticed that all these dates so far are on November 1st or November 2nd? Why is Halloween, as we know it, celebrated on October 31st? And how did it get the name Halloween? Because we've been saying Sowin, All Saints Day, Day of the Dead. Where's Halloween come from? So we mentioned how Sowin eventually becomes All Saints Day after being colonized by the Roman Empire. All Saints Day came from the Middle English term All Hallowmas, which eventually becomes All Hallow Mass, which is like Christmas Mass, same kind of like ending there, which eventually then becomes All Hallows. And then the night before, you would have your big celebration, your little mischief and stuff on All Hallows Eve. All Hallows Eve eventually becomes Halloween. It's just the evolution of language there. So basically what we're seeing happen is the celebration the night before the sacred holiday has surpassed in popularity, much like how New Year's Eve is much more celebrated than New Year's Day, which is actually really appropriate because if you remember, the celebration of Salem was the Celtic New Year. So now we're caught up, we've known the origin, we can see how it has evolved, but how did it get to America? And how has it evolved since getting here? So despite how it's celebrated in modern times, Halloween was very limited on how it could be celebrated in colonial times. If you're familiar with the witch trials, very on theme, then you already know how strict the Puritans were in colonial New England. So we weren't really celebrating Halloween because of the rigid Protestant belief system. However, if you travel south to Maryland and the southern colonies, you do eventually see more of these Halloween celebrations being celebrated. So you have this eclectic blend of all these European beliefs meddling with the Native Americans of this area, and you're developing 
a very uniquely American Halloween. It wasn't very popular still. It was just in these remote locations. It's not until the influx of immigrations from Ireland where we start seeing a more widespread celebration of Halloween. And this is due to, like I said, the immigrants coming over from the Irish potato famine. Now we're seeing large communities come together and they're having these large celebrations. And then eventually things start getting a little mischievous. Pranks are being had during these trick-or-treat, during these party celebrations. And pranks evolve into vandalism and just straight up like monster behavior. You have teenagers just running amok all over town during Devil's Night, which was mischief night, which is kind of related to a European belief that was right before Halloween. So not only have we have Halloween, which is the day before All Saints Day, now we have Devil's Night, which is the day before Halloween. So we're just stretching out the celebrations, stretching out the mischief, because we just got to get all the craziness in before winter happens, apparently. But the people in these towns are really getting frustrated with the destruction that's happening on Devil's Night. So they're like, um, something's got to change here. In walks Elizabeth Krebs, and she changes the way that we celebrate Halloween forever. Elizabeth was tired of the destruction, and she spent her time, her money, and her resources to create this huge party to essentially tire out the kids so they wouldn't fuck up shit the next day. So October 31st, 1914, she puts on a huge community festival in town square for everyone to come and enjoy. And it's a huge hit. People come to the town square, they're eating candy, they're celebrating, a band comes in, they march down the town, and it's just a freaking blast. And the next morning, police reports, vandalism, down. Destruction, down. It worked. It was successful. And from then on, it changed the way the towns celebrated Halloween. Combine that with the baby boom of the 1950s, and we are seeing communities invest more time in these festivals. And we get a revival of the tradition of trick-or-treating because it was an easy and inexpensive way to entertain all these children that were now around and needed to be entertained for this holiday. So we've gone from ancient Celtic beliefs being colonized by the Romans and the spread of Christianity and this transition to the Americas. We can see this evolution of a holiday that is now a $6 billion industry. I mean, Americans alone are spending $5 million just on costumes for their pets. Imagine what they're spending for themselves. You don't have to imagine, I'll tell you. It's $3.3 billion. And one quarter of all candy sold annually is purchased during Halloween. So I want to know, was this too much information? Or information galore? Information a go-go.